All right, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. And let's all stand up on our feet if you're able, as we do. In custom of the reading of the word here at King's, Alaska. Find chapter 4, the book of Luke, verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching for his words with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a, a spirit of an unclean demon. Imagine that. How many of you know demons go to church? There's like five or six people that... Okay, we're going to get there just a little bit later. He cried out in a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have, we do, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Verse 36 then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power, but he say that, for with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. And the report about him went out into every place of the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. And Simon's wife, mother, lay sick with a high fever. And they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. That word rebuke is ekbalo in the Greek. It's the same word that's used for casting out a demon. Rebuked the fever. And it left her and immediately she arose and served them. Verse 40 when the sun was setting, all those who were, that were sick with various diseases were brought to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out, saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. Verse continuing now. And rebuking them, he did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 42. Now when it was day, he departed, they went to a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him, and he tried to keep him from leaving them. Verse 43, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Let's all read that. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Father, we thank you. Move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There is a, a great pressure on pastors and preachers and churches to dumb down the gospel. And what I mean by that is to can it and present it in a way that's unoffensive and doesn't 
you know, make anybody upset, a political correctness about the gospel. Now, I don't know how you found Christ. Maybe you haven't yet, but if you've come here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm very glad that you were brought here, even by this Holy Spirit led here, whether you're invited. And you might be here hoping to endure some dead, dying message, but I want to tell you that Jesus brought you here by his express purpose, that you would be redeemed today, that you would get healed today, that you would be set free today, and I have no intention and never will have any intention of bringing you some dying, dead, canned message that I got out of some magazine where you can subscribe to them. You can subscribe to magazines of 52 messages that I could preach to you to 52 weeks out of the year with some good, sound, solid teaching. But any message that comes that doesn't bring you into an encounter with God, doesn't bring you into transformation of heart and mind and soul, isn't a message that Jesus would have brought to you. And if all we do is teach you, and you never end up in a place of transformation, where you then can be an agent of change to a lost, broken, dying culture, then we have failed you miserably. And so I have zero intention all of my life to never be like that. Because it wasn't three shots and a mocha that got me set free. And it wasn't some cute teaching that hooked me and got me on fire for God. I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. I experienced God's kingdom in my life. And it's never stopped. He has never stopped since that day. And so I refuse to lead a church that would be that which is twice dead, pulled up from the roots. The proverb says, he who wanders out of the way of understanding will rest in the congregation of the dead. There is a place of deadness in the body of Christ. But God is raising up those who've been touched by the power, the fire, and the fresh oil of heaven to bring forth the word of God and to see many people touched, saved, healed, delivered, because there are demons in church and there is demonic power that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10 and 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life to the full. God wants you to have a life of victory. God wants you to have a life of freedom. God wants you to live life in the true sense of the word. Zoe life, as it says in the Greek, it means the fullness, it's holistic healing. The New Agers ripped it off from, from the Bible. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know who's connected to you. You might be addicted. You might be bound. You might be on fire. I don't know where, I'm on fire for the Lord, I mean. I don't know where you find yourself in, this, in the hearing of my voice this morning. But I want you to know that God wants to set you free and move you to a place that you've never been before. There are places in God that none of us have ever experienced. And he gives that to the hungry and thirsty. C.S. Lewis said this, we're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drinking and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like ignorant children who want to go on playing, making mud pies in the slum because they cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Many people are not on fire. Many people do not walk in freedom. 
Many people stay bound, addicted, and afflicted all of their life because there hasn't been the gospel of the kingdom preached. And I want to preach you a message that I've preached hundreds of times before, even from this text. The gospel of the kingdom has come. And that's good news. I was talking to a young man at the gym. And he was telling me, started telling me how about how God was talking to him. And he said, gosh, I probably shouldn't say that too loud because people get freaked out. And I said, I said, no, who cares? Go ahead, tell me. And we began to testify and we were full voice, loud as we walked through the gym. And people were looking and they already know I'm a freak. So, I, you know, he's just now associated. I mean, 70 something percent of prescription drugs are consumed by Americans. I heard the Lord whisper to me as I finished talking with this young man. He says, if you could see, if right on the screen today in church, you could see the different things that people go through in their minds, the torment with lust, the torment with depression, if you could see what people battle with every day of the week, and we're going to have some smooth, need, apathetic, lazy, limp-wristed gospel preached to them, so that then, then what? For, what? for what purpose? I want God's Spirit to come. I pray that He comes and touches you at the preaching of this Word and that you would get a hold of what I preached to you in the moments that remain. Because you need help, I need help, we all need help. And we are just like C.S. Lewis settling for drink, sex, ambition, when God offers us freedom, power, and the kingdom. Where there's no vision, people cast off for strength. That's why I said it's mostly the church's fault in my mind because they've never been, there hasn't been an expression of vision and the power of the Holy Spirit and the message that you don't have to be addicted, afflicted, and bound anymore. You can be free. You can be loosed. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. Jesus here in this text is um, he's going through the temptation of Christ there in the first part of chapter 4. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah has been handed to him. He reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18 of Luke 4, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty for the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. He sent me to set at liberty, pardon me, those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It's a messianic prophecy. And he closed a book and he basically says today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. So everyone knew what he was saying. The Messiah, I am the Messiah is what he's saying. And all of the things that the Messiah brought, he brought. And so this prophetic word comes to pass. This is the same thing that should happen Basically, in every service, in every church, anytime anybody gets together to talk about Jesus and in their life, this should be expressed. The captive should be set free everywhere you go. What do you mean? I'm not in ministry. Yes, you are. We're all called to be a witness of his goodness, of the good things of God. So he, he goes on, and the, the, the verses that we read, he's in Capernaum now. Nazareth has rejected him. A prophet's without honor in his hometown. They were offended. I've preached messages on that. 
Let me say this, that if you're offended in your mind, if you have a perception about the person that's bringing the word or a perception about God that dumbs him down and makes it, makes it a powerless message, man, is how powerful you are, it's how powerful we are, that we can nullify God's word through tradition, Jesus said. Wow. So he can speak and say, let there be light, and we still have it, but the very word of God can be nullified by you and me through our tradition. Wow, crazy. And so they didn't receive him. they like, isn't this Jesus? Didn't we change his shorts? Isn't he? Wasn't it? Isn't that Mary, his mother? Who does he think? What? Who do you think you are? We saw you. I pulled the splinter out of your finger when you were a kid. Aren't these your brothers and sisters? They, in their mind, they're offended. And that offense shut down the presence and power of God, and Jesus couldn't make his base of operations in his hometown. So he moved to a place called Capernaum. And that's where he set up his base of operations. And he's there, he's teaching in the Sabbath, and he casts out a devil. I mean, it's just kind of amazing. Key verse for us, write in your notes, we do have notes for you, is Luke 4.43. And Luke 4.43, I had you repeat it. I must preach the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, they're synonymous, they're the same. So when you, somebody said, the kingdom of heaven is here, it says in one, some of the gospels, and other gospels says the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't preach salvation only. Salvation, in other words, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. That was not the only message of the church. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved, and saved sozo in the true meaning is saved, your whole, your whole life saved, your physical body healed, your sins wiped and thrown as far as the east is from the west, your, your emotions healed, your soul healed, your finances healed, healed, your, all of you healed. That is the gospel of the kingdom. It's not just that you, you, don't get, you don't go to hell, you go to heaven, and that's it. That has been proclaimed, but that's not the gospel of the kingdom. Some have said this. Some have said that as soon as the gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout all the earth, then he'll come. So some have said, well, there's only a few unreached people groups, and as soon as they're reached, then the gospel, then then he'll return. And others say, well, they've been shared salvation, but not the gospel of the kingdom, so we need to make sure the whole message is, I really don't know. I just know that he's coming, and I want to be ready. He could come any second now. You want to plan like he's not coming in your lifetime? and live like he's coming in a second. But I do believe that's the key verse of this passage, the kingdom of God. And the synoptic gospels, synoptic, they, they have commonality is why they're called synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, those are the synoptic gospels. There's one more. Anybody know what the fourth one is? John. John's different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, are very common. They're, they're, they're synoptic, they're called. And so in Mark 1 and 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Again, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you heard of that? Our, our beloved friends are out there in Israel right now. They just visited the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the bylaws of the kingdom, how to live in, 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 in cooperation with God's grace. And the Sermon on the Mount, I think, should be memorized. The unifying theme of the entire Bible is the kingdom of God. 
And when you look and you see how God wanted the family and he made Adam and out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into it. He made Adam and Eve. He had a family, but they rejected him. They were his ambassadors. They were representatives of the kingdom. And there was this partnership and a, a unifying of the world and, and heaven. But Adam and Eve rebelled. And there's a great terror that took place. But right from that time, in Genesis chapter 3, God put forth the first time the, event, the, the, the gospel is preached. It's called the proto-evangelum. What is that? It's the first time the gospel's preached that the Satan would strike the heel of the seed of the woman and he would crush the head of Satan. The seed of the woman is none other than the Messiah, is the Christ. So even right at the ripping and the tearing of heaven and earth, God said, I'm going to fix this thing. And then he, you see, evil is not just, it's not, it's not just around us. Listen, Adam and Eve sinned in a perfect world. They were deceived in the garden. Some people think, well, if I just didn't have all those fools around me. No, you still have to wrestle with you. You still have to wrestle with the sin on the inside. Deceitfully wicked above all else is the human heart, says Jeremiah. And so wickedness reigned in the earth. The first murderer, Cain and Abel, and Noah comes, and a man of righteousness, and perversions all over the earth. And so God says, I'm grieved that I even made man, but at least I have a Noah. I'm going to use you. You're going to make a boat. I'm going to cause it to rain. What? Rain. It's water. It's going to fall from the earth. going to flood everything. I'm starting over. You're my new Adam. And Noah's like, okay. He builds a boat. Takes him 100 years out of gopher wood. They get in. The Lord shuts the door, and he wipes out all of mankind except for the people that are in the ark. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of many things. He comes out after 40 days, 40 nights, eventually comes out and, you know, God busts a rainbow in the sky, which of course has been perverted in this day and age because that's what the devil does. He takes things, covenant signs from the Lord and tries to pervert them. And he offers sacrifice and the Lord speaks to him and says the same thing he says to Adam and Eve. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He says, all right, Lord. And yet Ham, one of his sons, commits some act of homosexuality, if you study that passage, does something, saw his father's nakedness, which has deeper meaning, and is cursed. Ham is cursed. And you'll know that Ham is the father of the Canaanites. And if you study Scripture, you'll know that the Canaanites were perverse, especially in homosexuality and sexual sin. The same sin that was on Ham was passed down to his generations. It's iniquity, generational iniquity and sin. Because sin is in the human heart. But he finds that he eventually finds an, an Abraham. And Abraham believed God is accredited unto him as righteousness. God's constantly looking for a family, constantly looking to see his kingdom expressed. Abraham has Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob wrestles with God, and his name is changed to Israel. And he has 12 sons, actually, he has 10, and he adopts two from Joseph. And those are the 12 tribes of Israel. That God would then raise them up and and, and, and give them his laws and his decrees, and they would be a special, peculiar people, the nation of Israel. One of the reasons the devil fights so hard to wipe out Israel, because if Satan can wipe out Israel, then it proves that God is, doesn't exist. But of course, God does exist, and I will tell you that Israel will never be wiped out. It's impossible. It's a miracle they even exist today. 
and they wanted a king and that didn't work out and then there was King David and King David failed and finally God said, that's it. I searched for a man and could find none so I brought salvation by myself. The king of the kingdom comes and when we look here in Luke chapter four and you see Jesus in the gospels, it is absolutely amazing because the king of the kingdom comes and when the king shows up, so is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. You've heard me say it a hundred times. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. And the kingdom here is expressed in the text and frankly should be expressed in your life through word and deed. If you claim yourself to be a Christian and Jesus lives on the inside of you, then in your life there should be words and deeds that match up with that truth. And when you see God's kingdom being put on display, it is always in word and it's always in deed. It's not just in word. There was a whole teaching movement that busted out in the 70s and thank God for anointed teachers. But you can be taught to death. If all you do is learn and you don't get changed, as I was saying earlier, then you'll just become a religious person and religious people can't do zip. You understand what I'm saying? Teaching has got to be activated in your heart, lived out in your life. And when you live teaching, you'll see demonstrations, period. That's how it is. Jesus never just taught and didn't do anything. He would do and he would teach. You see that in the first chapter of Acts. So casting out of demons. You know, Jesus never castigated anybody that had a demon. He just cast them out. You say, are there demons cast out in church here? All the time. I said all the time. Some of you are like, oh, snap. All right, look at the person next to you. If you see red eyes looking back at you, just let me know. You're like, I don't want to look. Yeah, yeah, it's normal. It is normal. Where, if you had a demon, listen, where else would you go? Somebody said, I ain't going to church. Bunch of hypocrites in church. No kidding. Where else would you want a hypocrite to go so they could get set free, for God's sake? I mean, if somebody has a demon, where should they go? They're a local drug dealer and see if they can get some help with that? You go to the local psychologist, psychotherapist? Listen, I'm all for good biblical counseling, but you can't teach demons. Demons need to be driven out. And the roots pulled up, and the entry points for which they got access need to be closed, and people need to be healed. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. My goodness. He's amazing. It's like a light being turned on. I, I lived in, in Hawaii for a number of years, 14 to be exact. But I moved to the promised land here in Alaska. Where we don't have too many cockroaches here. Hallelujah. I don't like those prehistoric, non, they're nasty. Cockroaches are nasty. I mean, you have to set bombs off in your car when you live in Hawaii. I'm talking about cockroach bar bombs. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you have, to, you have to fumigate your vehicles because they'll run off with your stuff. I, there's these cute little German, German cockroaches, but then they got these big ones that like, yeah, you see it running across the floor with like a turkey leg and stuff. They'll have like a slice of ham thrown over its, a slice of spam, I should say, thrown over its back, running for the hills. And they make sounds. When you can hear the sound of a cockroach, buddy, then you know you got a... That's what they sound like. That's what they sound like. Oh, yeah. I've had them in my ear. Like, ah! When Jesus shows up here in Luke, it's like a giant light being turned on and cockroaches running everywhere. You know, you would, you would fumigate your house. 
or your apartment, your condo, wherever you would live. And after a while, you know, the fumigation wears off. And that's when you know you need to do it again. But usually it's like you come down to get a glass of milk or something in the middle of the night, and you turn on, you turn on the light, and all of a sudden everything's scampering all over the counter. It's like, ah! It's terrifying. That is what it's like when Jesus shows up. Demons running, demons fleeing. It should be like that when you come on the job. It should be like that when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, hell ought to be like, oh, man, he's awake. Should be known in heaven, feared in hell. Oh, no, it's Pastor Vince. That's what it's like when Jesus shows up. He casts out devils. He heals the sick. It's like a major light being turned on. Let's look at this text. Evil's exposed. We see the demons want to inhabit people. I've taught you that before. I was at a, a meeting with some pastors, and one of the pastors had a demon. That's not uncommon. I mean... How many of you know to run off with the church secretary, you would have to have a demon? How many of you know that, how many of you know that happens? So there I am in fellowship with other brothers, straight bound, completely, completely bound. You said you cast the devil out? No, I didn't. But if I get the chance next time, I will. There's people that are addicted and afflicted and many times there's demon power that's behind it. Demons, want it. demons want to inhabit people. Why? And listen, if you're thinking, I can hear that. I can almost hear it. Demons can't inhabit me. I'm saved. Okay. Well, maybe you could just sit on your head. How, how about that? What if it sat on your head? Would that, would that still be a problem? Yeah. Many times have a, a faulty understanding of spiritual spatial reality. So if you have a demon sitting on top of your head, how many of you know that would be bad? Why would, why, would, why would the devil mess with people? So he can rob, steal, and destroy from you. That's why. And somebody said a Christian can't have a demon. I love what that one brother said so many years ago. A Christian can have anything he wants to have. And the real question is this. The real question is, can a Christian sin? And if you live a habitual sin-laden life, you will end up demonized. Well, not by, it might not be the first time, but if you have habitual sin in your life, you will open the door and you will end up demonized. You call the name of Jesus all you want to. In that area, you will be bound and you will have a whole host of problems. Well, look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I came to church. Again, if they have red eyes, just raise your hand and I will come help you. All right. We see that uh, uh, they, they want to destroy people, but they also want to express themselves in the visible world. I mean, all the killings and the slayings we've had in schools, churches. It's horrible. And it's, it's immaterial spirits being made material through people who yield themselves to demon power. The only way a devil can speak in this church is if he uses your mouth. I'm going to be right back. Praise God. That's good preaching, Pastor. That's good preaching right there. Whoa. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Sickness can come from a direct attack 
a direct demonic attack, but it can also become come because of the fallenness of, you know, the, the sickness as a result of living in a fallen world. Jesus has authority over the demonic. Somebody say, that's good news. He's got authority. Demons can come to church, moving right along. Come and get beat up here every time we have service. Anybody remember when they used to pass out bags? They used to pass out brown paper bags. Does anybody remember that? In the early 70s, 80s, they used to pass out brown paper bags just in case you had a demon because they, they used to figure that if you had a demon, you were going to throw up. That was one of the signs that you got delivered. You, let me just tell you, we don't pass out brown bags. You don't have to throw up. You can be free right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Okay. No need to throw up. You're free. Amen. He has authority and power. Somebody like, whoa. He has authority and power, verse 36. He prayed for everybody that came to him. I love that about him. He was sensitive to people. He, he gave his life for people. He spent himself for others. He prayed, showing his dependence on the Father, verse 42. And verse 43, he didn't stray from his purpose. I must preach the gospel of the kingdom. Listen, the reason we're here. The reason we're here is not to build a beautiful building on the hill. On the hill, the reason we're here, the reason we have so many services and do all that we're doing is because we're here to reach the lost and preach the gospel of the kingdom. That is why we're here. If we ever lose track of the fact that it's about souls and making disciples, we have finished. We're finished. We just close the door. That is not where we're not here for a bless me club. You will be blessed. But it's not a club. It's not a little patty cake for Jesus. We're here to see people saved, healed, delivered, devils being broken off, addiction being cast off, broken off. You'll see people saved, restored. Come on, somebody say yes in the house of God. And so verse 42, he prays, which I love. You know, prayer shows dependence on God. He shows his dependence on the Father. Fully God, fully man, and yet he prays. I think if Jesus, the Messiah, fully man, fully God, he prayed, I think it would be fair to say that you and I should probably have a prayer life. Power of the kingdom is released out of a relationship and a dependence on, on the king. Not out of your own godliness. We're not going to stray from our purpose. Quickly, God is speaking to us. We've been given power to advance God's kingdom. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just so you can feel good. Thank God for that. It's not just so our hair would stand on end. Whether your hair is stood on end or not, it's irrelevant. The power of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness, to resist the devil, to heal you. The power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us his name. He's given us his word. He's given us the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians, I'm almost done. Chapter 1, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, worship team, would you come please? May give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You know what it is to receive an inheritance, right? You know what God's inheritance is? You. That ought to heal you of 
the fact that the, the, this lie that the enemy puts on you that you're insignificant. You're so significant, you're the inheritance that God gets when it's all over. Wow. And his incomparably great power to us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church is a visible expression of the gathered kingdom of God. That's why every Sunday when we come together, we pray for the sick. That's why every Sunday I preach the gospel of the kingdom, not just the message of your sins being forgiven, but the truth that you can be free, you can be liberated, and that you can be filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Can you say amen? We've got to embrace the king's passion. I want you to begin to believe that God would help us to reach a 1,000 souls in the next 30 days. It's less than 30 days now. We will do it. It's going to happen. And I want you to believe that God, the truth of what God's word is about you, that he saved you for this time, at this point in history, for the purpose of being his ambassador, the purpose of being his minister of reconciliation. We are the gathered expression of the kingdom of God. Lift your hands all across this place. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I implore you, I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to him. Sin has separated you. Maybe the enemy's been toying with you. Hearing voices and seeing dark shadows and night torments. I don't know what you've been through, but I'm here to declare to you the glorious freedom that's found in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. I'm here to declare to you that there's a place of freedom and healing divine. The kingdom of God is not a geographical place. It's entered into when you repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is when you enter into the kingdom. The Bible says in 1 Peter that he translates you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Some of you, some of you are in the kingdom of darkness. And so do you have to be so firm and so strong? Yes. Yeah, I do. Because we're dealing with a very mean, ugly killer. Worse than any killer in all of history. He was behind everyone. His name is Satan. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way that his power is broken is by the power of the name of Jesus through people preaching, declaring, and proclaiming with authority and faith. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than demon power. And you can be free today. You can be healed today. You can put your hands down for a moment. 
And if you're here and you've been tormented, I want to tell you that the days of your torment can end this morning by believing on the Lord Jesus, receiving Him, getting prayer. If you're not right with God, I am talking to you all across this place. Nobody moving around. I'm almost done. If you're not right with God, and if you were to die, God forbid you would die today. Today would be your last day on earth. Do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? Come on, some of you are straight toying with sin. I mean, you're shacked up. You're doing the wrong thing. You've got habits that are poisoning you. You know they're wrong. God's been speaking to you. And you're still doing those things thinking that God's winking at you. He's not winking. He'll bring somebody like me to get up in your grill and to tell you that sin is going to take you to hell. And you need to get rid of it and get right with God today. You need to get right with God today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God whether it be for the first time or recommitment. If that's you, on the count of three, slip your hand up. You want to get right with God. One, two, three. Put your hands up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All the way in the back. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand. Praise God. God bless you. Anybody else, lift your hand high. Want to get right with God. All right. All stand up on your feet, won't you? If you're serious about it, you're serious about getting right with God. You raised your hand or you didn't, but you know you need to be included in this prayer. Quickly come to the front right now. Quickly come. There's others that are coming with you. Come on. This is the day. It's a brand new day. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Come on, come. Come on, come. Come on, come. Put your hands together for these guys. Come on. Come on, come. Come. It's a brand new day. Come on! Somebody say praise the Lord. Do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Do you remember when you first gave your life to Christ? Come on, the devil plays for keeps. We're breaking his power today. Right now. Those of you that came up here, look at me. Look at me right in the eye, dead in the eye. You're going to pray a very simple prayer. And all I'm going to lead you in is a prayer that says this. So I'm telling you. So that before you pray, you know what you're praying, all right? I'm not trying to trick you into something. It's very simple. Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again from the grave for your sin. You are marked for hell and headed for death. But Jesus came and took the price. He paid for you the debt. It'd be like a, it'd be like a judge standing there to give judgment over his son. So if your father was a judge and he looks at you and you're guilty, the judge willingly and knows he has to bring justice. So he looks at you and says, guilty. And then he would come around, take his judge robe off, put his arm around your shoulder and say, that's okay. I'm going to pay for that. And he pays a debt that you cannot pay. The gazillion dollar, the, the gazillion dollar ticket. You can't pay it. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. So what you're doing is you're coming to him and saying, God, I am sorry for my lying, for my cheating, for my stealing, for all the things I've done wrong. I believe that you died on a cross for me and I want that. I want the new life. 
forgive me and come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And in that one moment, in that moment, when you, if you mean it with sincerity, bam, everything's wiped out and you're made new. The Bible says he comes into your heart. He makes his home on the inside of you. And he takes your sin and throws it as far as the east is from the west. He breaks all the shame off of you. In fact, the Bible says you become a new creature, a new creation in Christ. How many of you are glad you're saved out there? All right, so maybe this is a recommitment, or maybe it's the first time. Bow your eye, bow, bow your head, close your eyes. Pray with me right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father. Say, do I have to say it out loud? Yeah, yeah, say it out loud. It's important. With your mouth, with your heart, you believe in your mouth, you confess under salvation. Right out loud, it's important. We're all going to pray together. You ready? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Now repeat this after me. Say, I'm born again. I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. The devil has no hold on me. I'm free. Now, Lord, give me a hunger for your word, a hunger for the things of God, and fill me with your spirit right now. Come on, now lift your hands all across this place. Those up front, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. In your mighty name, a breaking off of every curse and every assignment. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Ghost, come. Release your power upon these. In the name of Jesus, be filled, be touched, be cleansed. Holy Ghost, Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. The gift of leadership is upon you. I'm going to raise you up, says the Lord. You're going to be like a, a chosen vessel even in the midst of your generation. You've known it from the time you were a boy. You knew that God has called you to do great things. And I've put you together like a hand in a glove, you and your wife. And I'm going to put a fire on the inside of you that will not be able to be silenced. You were, you were crazy. I mean, you had a boldness. You'd jump and run and do anything. You're like a Peter. But the Lord has gotten a hold of you. And the Lord says, I'm releasing dreams. The Lord says, I'm releasing vision to you. My hand's upon you. I've marked you. And I'm going to do some significant things in your family, says the Lord. There's even one that you're very concerned about. The Lord says, I heard your cry. And I've saved you and I've placed the solitary in families. And you are like a rope holder. For even as your life is seen by those around you and your family, they'll say there is a God for the kindness and the gentleness and the compassion that flows from you will be undeniable. And know this, that no one, no one can resist the love of God. No one. I'm marking you. You'll begin to see them one after another in your family, one after another in your family. Each one will come to Christ. Each one will get saved. Each and every one of them will get filled. The truth is you could fill half the church with all the people that are a part of your family and all the ones that are connected to them. 
Lord, do this thing. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Let your fire come. Let your power come. Holy Spirit, thank you. Leaders, go ahead. Leaders, go ahead right now quickly, please. We're going to minister to you. we got something for you. I don't want anybody coming in for a minute. Come on, just a moment longer. God is doing something here. We need a move of your spirit in our nation. I call forth the souls. I call forth, Lord, a great harvest into this church, into the body of Christ. Do it. Every healthy church around the valley be filled to capacity and overflowing. Anoint pastors. Let an uncompromised gospel sound forth from every pulpit in the land. Let the gospel of the kingdom be preached with signs and wonders and miracles. Sickness. Some of you are battling sickness. You've gotten a report. Where have you? You got a negative report. Wave at me. You got a negative report from a doctor. Step out into the aisle quickly. Quickly, service is almost over. Step out into the aisle. Pastor Barry, lay hands on her right now in the name of Jesus. We proclaim where anybody else. We proclaim healing right now in the name of Jesus. We break the hold of demon power that would try to manipulate. Be healed. Cancer go. Disease go. In the name of Jesus, break off trauma. There's people here, you're struggling with trauma. Was it an accident? Something happened? It's like when you're driving, you're flinching. It's almost like the next car crash. You know, it's kind of like that. I break that thing off of you in Jesus' name. There's another person here who's been battling over fear over their son and their daughter. It's like when they go off to school, the enemy just whispers to you that something's gonna go wrong. You command that thing to be broken right now in Jesus' name. We speak life, we speak freedom, we speak healing. Sickness, infirmity, and disease, and fear, we command you to go. The Lord spoke to me for Sarah. Where's your daughter? She's in the back with her baby. Such a simple word. The biblical training and that which she received from the Lord is not going to be wasted. For even in her own house, she's going to raise up world changers. And I saw her writing. I was worshiping and I saw her writing. And I saw, I saw her speaking. I saw opportunities coming uh, for her to speak and to testify and proclaim. The hand of the Lord is upon her. For even when she was in her womb, you knew that God had ordained her, even with a prophetic voice, not only over her, but over you too, sweetheart. God's hand is upon you. And I call forth the plan and the destiny, Lord, for the Lambert family. I thank you for them. And it bless them and touch them. 
use them mightily in their grandchildren in the name of Jesus. I break off discouragement. I break off every assignment of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Ghost, release your fire right now. Let your fire come. In Jesus' name. Come on. We're almost done. Lift your voice. Miracles happen. Come on, a moment longer. God's touching people. Holy Spirit. Release your fire. Right now. Be healed. Be free. Miracles happen. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Did you get something from God? Carry the kingdom everywhere you go. For those of you that prayed that prayer, even for the first time or made a recommitment, you make this place your second home. You learn and grow in the things of God. Don't make it some little thing that happened on some Sunday. It's not little. It's the rest of your life. And the devil, don't let him whisper to you when you walk out of this place. What happened to you is real. You've been born again. You've been made new. Your sin is washed and cleansed. It's, it's okay to get happy. You keep coming. You find a home here. Great, great people. Great, great leaders have gone to this house. That word minister to you. Awesome, huh? Isn't God awesome? God's awesome. Amen. Enough of the pansified, sissy Christianity. Get on fire for God. Let's cast out devils and heal the sick. Amen. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Let your power rest upon us. Lord, bring peace and joy and hope and strength to each and every one. Thank you for what you've done. Cause your face to shine upon us, God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen.